and welcome to another episode of the Daily Red Podcast. I am your host, Bianca Wiley, arts enthusiast, performer and media creative. You will hear stories about the projects gracing the Queensland art scene and the artists' behind-the-scenes journeys. Sit back, relax and let's get into it. I am joined by the lovely Loretta Finn. We actually had a little bit of a past as well, Loretta and I. Um, you were the conductor of my year 12 musical, so we had a lovely relationship throughout that. But Miss Finn, or Loretta, it's yes. hard for me to sometimes disassociate that, also is a wonderful composer and has taken some time away from teaching for Blast. This is your second year, correct? And you're now doing your own work. So please tell me a little bit more about what you have in the works, what you've been up to in the past year. Yeah. Just what, what are you doing? Okay, so I'm, well, I'm actually still teaching. I don't think you ever give up teaching. So I still have a private studio at home, which is a couple of days a week. But I've just recently had four new works recorded by Alfred Publishing. Alfred Publishing is one of the, the biggest music publishers in the world. So they record those works in the States and then they'll be released later this year so that was a that was a and most of my compositions are um, geared towards teaching children so they're all about learning the skills that you need to play Mozart and Beethoven later on but they're geared to be um, taught in a more fun way so the same skills you need to learn how to hold the bow you need to learn how to play rhythms you need to know all of these little tricks and skills so another work that I was um, commissioned to do for the, um, it was, it's the Forest, what's it called, Forest, oh now I've forgotten, Forest something, Youth Orchestra, which is in Western Sydney. And um, so the request was to write a piece for this Youth Orchestra, um, and they give you the parameters that, okay, so they're preliminary to say fourth grade standard, and so what I did was I just threw every trick in the book. So it has slides and knocks and playing behind the bridge and kind of all these different weird and wonderful sounds that your instrument can make, apart from the conventional things that you know all musicians need to play. So that um, has just been sent to them in Sydney and they'll be performing that this term, whereas the other four pieces will be um, later on. Oh, brilliant. I mean, that sounds like it'd be very exciting for them. It sounds mm. like a challenge, yeah. but... If music's not challenging, what's the point? Because you need to continue to improve. And that also makes it exciting when you see something and then you're like, ooh, that looks tricky. And then you go home and you practice it over and over again until you finally yeah. get it right. Well, I always say practice makes progress. Um, we don't expect perfection, uh, you know, at, at the early stages of playing. But you've got to keep um, working towards it. It is a work in progress. Um, but yeah, definitely practice makes progress. So the more you do something, the more familiar it becomes. So apart from composing, I've also been doing a lot of workshops with Education Queensland. Um, so one of those projects where they bring all the best kids from the region around uh, into a group. The kids have probably never met each other before. Uh, and it's a similar thing to the SHEP program, the State mm. Honours program at the CON. So that is the same thing. And I've done lots of, I did Cairns, Toowoomba, Sunshine Coast, um, <laughs> so all over the place. And then this year I'm doing um, Capricornia, oh, brilliant. Sunshine Coast again, three of the Brisbane programs, and I can't remember where else, but it, it sort of, you know, throughout the year. And the idea is that we bring the kids together and within a very short amount, a scarily short amount of time, um, we put a program together mm. at a concert and the 
what makes it scary is that kids have never seen the music before. So you're having to, particularly with young groups, you're having to teach notes, teach rhythms, and just get everything happening, and then miraculously wave your magic wand, i.e. your baton, and, um, and create something worth listening to the next day. It is a bit like that, your baton. I like that reference. Yeah. You do have to create the magic and keep them all together. I remember I remember my very first Shep was actually at Somerville. That's mm. where our venue was to rehearse. Yeah. And it wasn't even at Somerville as a student. It's a funny thing how that turned out. It's yeah, almost yes. a bit like the universe was giving me a signal, but you're right, you have to, you know, work together as a team, especially in such a short amount of time. That's right. What is it like for you to see that on the other side and see all these talented kids who are passionate about music and also being able to give your own words of advice and knowledge to them? Yes, so so I suppose, yeah, it's, it's a journey for, for both of us. I, I guess when I first started teaching, uh, you know, like most young teachers, you think, oh, I'm gonna get in there and I'm gonna create all these um, people who are going to be so good, they're going to go to the conservatorium and then they're going to play in the world's best orchestras. And don't get me wrong, that has happened. I have students that are playing in the orchestras all over Australia, the professional orchestras. I've worked with students now in a professional capacity. I've, uh, I've worked with them. It's so great to see them appearing in orchestras and, and, uh, and playing in shows and things like that, and overseas as well. But then I guess as time went on, my philosophy kind of changed a little bit that I thought, well, it's actually not about just getting those kids to the con. It's about getting every child the right to play music. It is something that every child um, has naturally and innately a musical ability of some sort. And, um, and it's how far we nurture that that, um, that is important. But, and then I thought, okay, and then we went through all of those studies that showed, okay, music is great for the brains. We can't argue that anymore. Everybody knows music is great for your brain. You look at the honour boards in, in any given school, they're all the musos up there. Um, you know, everybody knows that. But then my journey kind of evolved into thinking, but then it's also really good for the heart and the soul. And it does disturb me how much um, depression and anxiety there is now in children. And I found that a lot of our really top bright kids in the school, music rehearsals were their happy place. They came because they wanted to be there because it was one part of the week where they could just breathe and enjoy. Mm, it's definitely like that. I mean, I don't play much anymore. I haven't had the opportunity since um, leaving school. Mm. But those are the things you remember from school if you're a music kid. You remember the rehearsals, you remember mm. the Shep programs, all the people you met, the yes. guidance that the teachers yes. and the interest that you uh, give as well. So for someone who is either starting to learn an instrument mm. or, you know, is towards that more professional stage of their career, what advice would you give them? So for those starting an instrument, um, I, I'm actually reading um, on ABC Listen, I'm, I'm listening to rather, um, Ed LeBrock reading his book, um, uh, it's called, make, oh gosh, I can't believe I've forgotten what it's called, Whole Notes, I thought I was going to music notes, but Whole Notes, and he talks about bravery, yeah, so you've got to be brave to, to, to start an instrument and just make that choice, and then it's that persistence uh, and just just keep going bit by bit. So for a beginner, um, I think it's it's really that you know sort of to to find that um, uh, rhythm, I guess, of that daily uh, practice and make that and and look for the joy in the music. So for the beginner, it's really just that stick with it, don't give up, keep going. 
For the more, um, for those thinking of heading uh, for a career in music, my advice would be to make sure that when you go to your tertiary degree, whatever that is, to diversify. So learn how to play, learn how to write music, learn how to um, uh, to teach music. Because I think um, for me, teaching someone else, having to explain what it is I'm doing myself made me a better player because I really had to think about it. I had to analyze what I was doing because I, I couldn't remember, for example, to learn vibrato on a violin. I don't think anybody who plays the violin remembers how they learned to do vibrato. So as a teacher, you've got to, you've got to analyze and go, well, what, what is my hand doing? What's moving? What's staying stationary? Um, what is, what happens if I have excessive tension in my hand, whatever. So whatever you're trying to teach, um, you have to then think about it a lot more yourself. Therefore, you think about your own playing and you reflect on how you're doing and going, oh, okay, well, maybe I could keep working on, you know, this aspect of my playing to improve that. So, uh, and, and learning to write music. I mean, I started to write music almost by accident because I had a group of students that quite advanced and not very advanced. You know, this is going back probably 40 years. Um, and I was constantly having to rearrange pieces of Mozart arrangements and whatever, derangements as I call them, derangements, and, um, and, and to, to make them simple enough for the little ones to play. And then I thought, I remember sitting in, a, in an ensemble myself as a student, like as a little person, going, this is Mozart, I know what Mozart's supposed to sound like, we don't sound like Mozart. So I think there's plenty of time to learn about how to sound like Mozart and actually play Mozart. So I started writing pieces like Calypso, Kangaroo, Koala, Canon, you know, so I'm teaching the rhythm of a Calypso. I'm teaching what a Canon is, where one part starts and then uh, the other parts of the orchestra take over the melodic line, like the famous Bell Canon. So mine's called Koala Canon with a K, of course. <laughs> And again, that getting that sort of fun aspect in even the names of the pieces and a little bit of the local, you know, um, Australian flavour. Yeah, you've definitely touched on something I'm about to ask you next, but you mentioned a few interesting points there. One was teaching others. One thing that I really loved about being a musician was I also sometimes would mentor younger horn players, and that was always very fulfilling. And when you listen to someone else play, you pick up on things, you know, that they might do wrong. Mm. might do wrong and then you realize yourself but hang on a minute I also have struggled in that area in the past and then you go back and you look at your own music and think they were struggling and I gave them this advice now I need to apply my own advice to my practice yes. and the other thing was being across all different bases I think it doesn't matter what industry you're in anymore having multiple skill sets is so important especially as the job market is getting smaller like if you're a producer at the ABC for example you're not only finding talent you're writing scripts you're introducing the guests to the host you're getting talk back you have to have multiple skills audio editing all those different things but moving on to what you briefly touched on which I thought was brilliant the names and the inspiration behind some of your pieces so yeah. has Australia or Brisbane's landscape inspired some of your compositions definitely okay so so those um, those ones that are called like Calypso kangaroo that's about teaching 
the calypso bark fun to call it calypso kangaroo with the two k sounds same with the koala cannon teaching the cannon but things like i wrote a piece called matilda learns to waltz because if you know the tune of waltzing matilda once a jolly swag man that's in four beats in a bar well you can't waltz in four beats because a waltz is one two three yeah. one two three so i rearranged the tune of waltzing matilda into three four instead of four four and then therefore I, thereby I get to explain to the children what a waltz is and how to, to feel that strong one, two, three, one. So instead of the normal tune, it's da 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 one, two, three, one, etc. So that was one. And then we came even closer to Brisbane. I wrote a piece called Sailing into Moreton Bay. So that kind of depicts, you know, the, the uh, statuesque, beautiful sailing boats coming into the bay. So it's a more lyrical sounding piece. And let's see, what else is there? Oh, and I wrote a piece called South Brisbane Tango um, because Somerville's in South Brisbane. So I wrote that for my junior string students. And then of course we then got into what's a tango, it's a dance. What are the dance rhythm? What are the you know the rhythms that we use in a tango? And probably Wool and Gabba Waltz is the other one that was very close to home because the Gabba was just down the road. And when I first moved to Brisbane from Sydney, 35 plus years ago, um, yeah, everyone was talking about this thing called the Gabba, and I wasn't really a, a cricket or a football fan, sorry to say, but. Um, but then I found out, oh, that's the Gabba. Oh, that's the Gabba. That's that big thing down there. So I wrote this um, waltz called Wool and Gabba Waltz, again, with the alliteration WW. So it's just a bit more fun. But every piece is designed to teach a particular aspect of playing. And they're all things that they'll need to know later when they start to play, you know, the, the real um, composers. But for now, let's have fun. Oh, absolutely. They sound like great ways to learn. I wish I had something like that to learn how to do a waltz and how to do a cannon. Mm. I most certainly struggled in some of those areas. But we were having an interesting conversation before we started to talk for the podcast. And that was about saying no when lots of opportunities come up or saying yes. Now, can you talk to me a little bit more about some of the opportunities that you really enjoyed doing last year when you were offered all these fabulous positions and compositions to work on mm. and also when you knew in your mind for this year to say look I need to step back and start reducing what's on my plate yes so yes having been in a school for 35 years and always having done work on weekends so I used to play in the shows at QPAC I played in Phantom of the Opera for months and months and months, Les Mis, Me and My Girl, blah, 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 all of those shows. But that was all done, you know, at nighttime and weekends as well, apart from your full-time job. And so it came, there came a time where I realised, okay, I've got to focus on my full-time job and I can't be out at night and then, you know, going for a drink after work. It's exhausting. All hours in the morning and then having to start up again at 6.30 a.m. for a 7 o'clock rehearsal in the morning. So, um... Then when I finished, when I wound up at school, I, I had no intention of retiring. In fact, my goal is now to give back to young teachers, um, of course, through working with students. So I'm hoping that by watching what I've taken years and years and years to learn, I'm hoping not um, or to prevent those students from having to, or teachers, young teachers in particular, um, from having to reinvent the wheel, which sometimes gets reinvented with square wheels, and then it takes a while to work out that actually round wheels are better. So 
My goal was to do as many of those things as possible. So I said yes, 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 yes to absolutely everything, which I ended up with a very, very crowded um, schedule. However, having done that last year, I'm, I'm glad that I, that I did that. And now I'm, I can stand back a little bit and say, well, you know, that's a valuable um, thing to do, the SHEP programs, that outreach to regional areas, particularly where students, um, that, you know, they may have a little program in their school, but they're never going to play, you know, work, uh, sit in an orchestra of 50, 60, 70 other musicians. That is a blast. And I still remember to this day my first experience sitting in an orchestra. I could barely play the notes because I was in the back of the second violins and I just at one I just remember freezing and stopping and just listening and hearing the horns actually and, and the brass <laughs> behind me and just going, This is such a magnificent sound. I'm getting goosebumps just talking about that. But I, I remember that like it was yesterday. So I know that experience and I want every child to be able to have that. So as a young person, I guess you do have to say yes to everything because you, you don't know, you have to make connections. We were talking a little bit about Brisbane being a smaller place. Sometimes it's not what you know, it's who you mm. know. So making those connections is really important. Um, being humble as a young person, don't go in guns blazing and saying, I just know everything because I was top gun at my school. Just sit back, watch, listen, observe and learn. Never ever stop learning. I am still learning. Yep. They say it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert in anything. I think I've become an expert in repetition. So I always say to teachers, the minute you get sick of saying, I oh, say the same things over and over again, you should probably give up teaching because that's your area of expertise, i.e. nagging. Mm -hmm. um, but after a while then, once you've, got, you've established your contacts, maybe then it's time to sort of sit back and then make finer choices but that that concept of just learning everything try to learn everything that there is don't just sit in a room and practice your instrument and say oh, i'm going to get a job in an orchestra because i look at brisbane and i go well who's going to die and give you their job in the orchestra it's you know they're few and far between you have to create and there are so many of uh, for instance ex-students at Somerville, flora wong springs to mind uh, she has started a whole bunch of like smaller um, contemporary ensembles, non-ensemble, dots and loops, you might have heard of these. And of course we've got Camerata, beautiful um, ensemble uh, that, that, um, that actually I heard them do the Barbara Streisand show recently, but of course oh, they've, got, they've got a full uh, program um, during the year. Mm. So I think that, yeah, you've got to just... Um, keep be creative about what you're doing don't just tunnel your vision to one thing yeah absolutely I mean I just completed a one-week internship at a different organization and I think I asked absolutely every single person whether it was the cameraman the chief of staff the journalist I was with what's your tips what would you uh, say to someone who wants to start in the industry you know just learn and absorb mm -hmm. because that's the best way to learn if you're in the place don't stand off, get involved and hear from people that have been in that area for so long. Tell them what they've learned because even if you're not copying their path, you're taking inspiration in pearls of wisdom. That's right. And, and when I work with young teachers, I will say, I will preface what I'm about to lecture on. I will say, listen, this is what I do. I'm not saying that this is what you should do. This is what I do and this is how I've 
it's evolved in my in my learning process um, on how to teach, and you can beg, borrow, and steal as much of that as you like. Um, and you know your students yourself. You know the people that you're working with. Absolutely. So you need to also learn to be creative about tweaking things to make them work for mm, you. Sure. Would you say that there is a particular performance or composition that you're most excited for this year? So actually that was one thing that I, um, that I said I was going to do last year to go to more performances and I absolutely did not. Um, because I was just, I, I, you know, I'd, I'd get home in the evening or I would have finished a concert or whatever and it would just like, no, you know what, I'm just going to put my feet up and have a glass of wine. But um, so, so I, I really feel that it's important to support the local um, groups that are happening around town. So there's Chloe Ann Williamson has got this great group called uh, Tango Enigmatico where they play different sorts of tango, not... They do play piazzolo as well, as well, I'm sure, but they've explored all different sorts of tango orchestras. Then there's um, uh, tango music, I should say. Then um, Topology is another group. Um, Krista Powell used to play in a string quartet with her, and that is an awesome group, and they explore all sorts of interesting contemporary music, which is, I have to say, people, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's one thing to listen to it, but it's quite another thing to see them playing, because then you see the interaction mm. between the players, particularly those smaller chamber music um, groups. So, and, and of course, QSO, because, you know, that, that, that orchestra has gone from strength to strength in um, recent years since the two orchestras amalgamated. So, yeah, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, yeah, that was a long time ago. So the Queensland Symphony Orchestra and the Queensland Philharmonic Orchestra oh, okay. amalgamated to become the Queensland Orchestra. That was, I can't, I guess it was 20 that. years ago. It's yeah. history for me. Yeah, and then now they've called themselves the Queensland Symphony Orchestra again, but they've really gone from strength to strength. They've had some great conductors, guest conductors in. So awesome to see mm, that absolutely. progress. And of course the Queensland Pops Orchestra, which I've played in for 30 years or so. And um, at the moment, the owner of that orchestra, Patrick Pickett, is, um, is looking to sell that orchestra to a new buyer. So if anyone out there wants to philanthropically buy an orchestra and uh, and then get it set up and then you know go from there because I think there's certainly a place in this town for an orchestra that plays not not so serious classical music but also one thing that the Pops Orchestra has done is given um, great opportunities to young performers to, to perform as soloists so lots of singers from the musical theater um, course at the con have been given opportunities and now they're working in professional mm. shows around uh, around australia and beyond that's incredible mm. i mean you really need those platforms for yes. young people especially as the industry does get smaller especially in australia where we don't have that scale that America does. But we have so much talent here in Brisbane, so many creatives. So a platform like that where you do some more creative um, contemporary things as well That's right. would really engage those yes. type of performance. Yes, I don't think, uh, I don't think Queenslanders realise how lucky we are. And I've travelled all over Australia and beyond. But let's just talk about Australia. This is the only state that has an education department run um, instrumental and vocal department in just about every state school. Then of course we have um, the private schools that have excellent music programs as well. So almost every child is given the opportunity to learn an instrument. That doesn't happen in New South Wales. 
that doesn't happen in Victoria and so on and so on. We are so lucky. So from that, we've produced an uh, amazing number of talented people. So, um, you know, let's, let's, let's remember that and remember where we came from mm. because none of those people who are now, you know, up the top doing marvellous things, none of them would be where they are if it were not for those programs that they, they, were, um, they were gifted in their schools. Absolutely. This is why I love doing the podcast because every time I talk to someone, I hear about different programs and funding that you can only find here in Queensland. And I think that's why our art scene is becoming more and more sophisticated. Mm. And I want to know, what do you think is the future of Brisbane's um, orchestral and art scene? I think it's just going to continue to grow. Yes, I think the, the, the people that I've already mentioned who are looking outside the box, I mean, they've... Uh, they've trained, but the, the, the ladies that I mentioned before, um, Chloe-Anne and also um, Flora, they both trained as classical musicians and now they're looking outside the box. Um, topology, we're all trained as classical musicians and they're all awesome at playing their instruments, right? So that's a given. You, you've, you've, got to, you've got to keep that 10,000 hour thing going until you can actually play really, really well. But from that point, you look outside the box and go, okay, what else can we create here? And and Flora in particular has done a lot of work in commissioning um, composition, whereas Chris's group, a lot of them compose from within the group. Um, so they're, they're awesome composers within the group. So they have, um, again, stepped outside that box of playing the, the, the normal string quartet stuff or whatever, and really, um, you know, playing some exciting music. So I, um, I think it's really encouraging that we have this great groundswell. Um, and I hope, I hope if anyone out there who is in charge of policy and schools and education, don't let us lose that because that is what is making this magnificent, um, you know, I always say the, the quantity at the bottom breeds the quality at the top. So let's just keep that happening. Oh, absolutely. Instrumental music programs defined my schooling. Funnily enough, it was the Askim and Somerville Music Festival that was held annually mm. that made me, when we came to Somerville, uh, to Brisbane, say, I want to go to Somerville because I saw that incredible music program and relationship it had with the school that I went to in Sydney. Yes. And that's why I was like, when we moved up here, this is where I need to be because I saw that passion from teachers such as yourself and Mr. Williams, who was the conductor at the time of the band, that you, you don't see every day at schools. It's a privilege and it's really special that you said a lot of these schools here in Queensland have that opportunity, whether mm. they are public or private, and that's incredible. And that's amazing. as it should be. It's, it's the right of every child. And lastly, is there anything that we can look forward to from you of your own works and your performances? So, um, Okay, so at the moment, as I said, I've got those four pieces that are about to be released and we just, um, yeah, so, so every, I'm, as I said, my compositions are mostly educational compositions, so you would probably go to any sort of school around Brisbane and maybe hear one of my pieces or, you know, someone like Stephen Chin, Keith Sharp, that's the other thing is that we have a lot of um, composers in this state and we kind of kicked off the um, the Australian educational composer thing uh, which is now happening in other states but it 
pretty much started in Queensland. Of course, now we've got other people composing music like Nerida Oostenbrook, lots of other people. We just had a reading session day, so we just read through, I don't know, 60 or 70 brand new pieces um, written by Queensland composers um, just just recently. So that's that. I, as I said, with regards to the Pops Orchestra, it's kind of a bit in hiatus at the moment, so I'm really hoping that something happens there because that is an awesome group to play in. Um, there's a Disney concert coming up soon um, that the Pops Orchestra is playing, so oh, you'll fun. probably see that advertised um, shortly around the place. Um, let's see. Apart from that, most of my stuff now at the, at the moment is the educational side of it. I really, before I hang up my, I don't know whether I will always um, hang up my baton forever, but um, before I, um, I start to sort of semi-retire, I think there's just so much to, to give back and just try to impart as much um, of this you know, knowledge that I, that's taken me so long to learn. And by the way, I'm still learning. I mean, I still, I, I still, you know, the kids will say things and it's just a completely different way of thinking of something. But as a teacher, I always say, you've got to think of 10 different ways of explaining the same thing because every child is different. But as soon as you think of that 10th way, you meet the 11th child. And so it starts again. Absolutely. You're always full of so much wisdom, Loretta. It's a privilege and a pleasure to talk to you. My and I'm pleasure. so Absolutely. glad that we have these programs in Queensland. And any kid that gets a chance to work with you is incredibly lucky. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Daily Red Podcast. You can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok for more. And we'll be with you again soon. Bye.